There is no emotion. There is peace. There is no ignorance. There is knowledge. There is no passion. There is serenity. There is no chaos. There is harmony. There is no death. There is only the force. Peace is a lie. There is only passion. Through passion, I gain strength. Through strength, I gain power. Through power, I gain victory. Through victory, my chains are broken. The force shall free me. So if you're wondering why we're opening up with what sounds like the, the meaning, the mad ravings of a lunatic, uh, that is the Jedi Code, the first one. And the second is the Sith Code. I argued for a call and response, but my idea said that might be too much of a cult. And Jeff, explain to me why, if I had done a call and response, we might have gotten banned by the FCC. It's very culty. Like, it's it's very much a, we've got this creed that then we call response. And the creeds themselves are not balanced in how you'd want to live as a human. And so, you know, pretty extreme versions of rejecting emotion being entirely a uh, vessel of your emotions. Two very big extremes, neither particularly good or healthy. And if we've got, you know, people saying it over and over, it, it's, a, it's a bit of a cold thing. Okay. But enough about Texas A&M. Oh, man, they're going to be out to get us again. Josiah, I love that we talk about cultural infrastructure. And so I'm going to ask you about two very different sets of cultural infrastructure. One that kidnaps children and then indoctrinates them into their religious order, which is supposedly a set of religious uh, warrior monks. And the other, which hid for a millennium, but was all but two, uh, a master who has the power and an apprentice that covets it. How do these sets of cultural infrastructure conflict with each other and why do they keep genociding each other over the millenniums i mean jedi say they don't want power but you know i'm pretty sure they do um it's yeah like the sith civilization's history is really it's pretty long pretty deep um and i think one of the things that the prequel trilogy sort of undersold was all that corruption within the jedi order that you know they'd managed to put all their problems off on another group and they're like oh yeah sith they're the only problem over here um but you know they are the jedi are just almost as uh as vile as them so you know yeah when you're vying for power you've got you've got to have somebody to fight you know once you crush the mandalorians then you've got to you got to have another enemy to go after or else you can't can't maintain your fighting force so you know the Sith are out there. You can be hunting for them. You can be trying to track them down. And uh, so, yeah, they're in hiding. But if you don't have a boogeyman, you know, who do you tell what, you know, what stories are you telling? So I, I do want to touch on that for a couple of reasons, because you're making some great points here. First, I, the, the prequels are much better movies than people remember them to be. I would say that yes. I, I still think Revenge of the Sith is a great movie. Saw it in mm-hmm. theaters, loved everything about it. Um, but the Jedi, the Mandalorians is a really good point. Is like someone had to stop after you fought them. The Mandalorians almost destroyed the Republic at mm-hmm. one point. And so, you know, maybe not letting them go on a rampage through all of the galaxy was <laughs> legitimate. But I really think, and I'm going to push back just a, just a little. 
the High Republic believed the Sith had been destroyed. So this is a thousand years before mm. the Battle of Yavin. They assumed there were no Sith. And they didn't believe Qui-Gon Jinn when he went back to the council and he said, there is a Sith running around the galaxy. We encountered him on Tatooine. They immediately, the Jedi Council said the Sith haven't been seen for a millennium. You're insane. Mm-hmm. Plus, he didn't already had problems with the council. Plus, he had already, all of these things led them to believe they had eliminated the Sith. And so they weren't, they weren't the boogeyman. The Separatists were because they were a front for the Sith as they were consistently preparing to do war. I, it's, again, it's show, don't tell, and when you're awake watching a movie, and all of this deep-seated lore is really bad when you're trying to do a thing. So our audio medium, we're going to force you to go look at all this deep-seated lore on a different website other than what you're listening to. We will link in the show notes. Um, uh, <laughs> we will, we link in the show will notes. not apologize for if you're there for 12 hours learning the deep, deep, insane lore of Star Wars because it's awesome. It's also bonkers. It's sometimes very smart and sometimes very stupid and sometimes at the same time both. And some of the characters that you thought were purely evil or not fleshed out enough actually have really interesting, deep amounts of character. Um, Count Duke is probably one of my favorite characters because of a lot of the exploration he gets outside of the movies. It's so good. Even in the movies. Like, I... uh... Mm such a great just such a great character like like, one of the things I really want to stump for this because the actor who plays Count Dooku talked about how he had to learn how to fence and so because he learned fencing they changed the character Dooku's lightsaber style to match what the actor it's uh being an expert of form two if you ever watch how he'll hold the the lightsaber straight up and then he'll do a flourish to salute his it's uh I love it so much and we're going to talk a lot about it. And I think that is going to be our cold open. So welcome, welcome, welcome to a very special episode of Feed Your Mascot. My name is Blue, and I am joined with two of the best people in the world to talk about very small, unimportant details of college football, the world, and our society. Jeff, who I have to say has a jersey of his favorite team. It looks like Darth Jeffius is coming to us with a Darth Sidious wearing a Senator's jersey. Tell me about that. Where'd you get it uh, from? Because I love it. Geekyjerseys.com. We're not a sponsor, but they do good work. Um, I've got I've got some other pretty great jerseys from them. But yeah, the Senators and it's it's Darth Sidious. Uh, if I turn around, apologies to those that can't see this because it's in, you know, 
audio thing. Decidious. Uh, and num- what number is that, Jeff? What number is, is he wearing? 66. Any reason for that? I'm just curious. Uh, order 66. Oh, there we go. Perfect. And I'm joined with uh, uh, Jedi Grandmaster of the Order, Josiah, who is coming to us today, also wearing a appropriately themed shirt. Yep. Got, it looks got, like Mr. Bo- Bo- got Mr. Boba Fett himself. Mr. Fett, he who is a bounty Mr. hunter. Fett. How you doing, Josiah? Doing all right. Doing all right. Yeah. Just a little tired. Had Kids had, my uh, eldest had camp this week, so I was chaperoning that and it was, a lot, it, was, it was 100 degrees out for both days, basically. So, you know, yeah, it was a, it was, it was a very, it was a very uh, Tatooine-esque time. Well, glad you made it back safely. This is mm. your, this is your daily reminder to drink lots of water when you're outside yes. during the summer. So today, everybody, we're jumping into it because we're going to do episode four, The Phantom Realignment where we are basically going to realign the galaxy far, far away into college football conferences or NCAA conferences, but only football, only football matters in realignment. So we're going to basically jump into it. We've only got two, two courses today, the outline of show and our dessert, because this is a large meal. I'm just going to turn it over to Jeff because it's 4th of July, and how are we celebrating? Yeah, so much like the 4th of July, Star Wars is also about a rebellion overthrowing uh, an empire of British people. So, you know, figured it would be in theme to do uh, discuss some Star Wars, uh, in addition to our normal college football stuff and... I mean, it's pr- it's prime off season as well as, you know, give something light for people in the holiday and hopefully something for uh, if you're driving somewhere or, or visiting folks, you will have uh, a little bit something to listen to on the drive. That even if someone's not into college football, they probably might be into Star Wars. They might be into neither and they're just going to be very confused um, by this. But hey, uh Maybe uh, maybe it'll pique their interest into one or the other. Who knows? So I'm going to go ahead and give us some ground rules. We're going to be creating conferences using college football teams and the Galaxy Far, Far Away. These are X number conferences. We actually are going to be doing this as the first of the part of a, of a, of a, of a threequel. Uh, and so we're going to use some character uh, comparisons. They may not specifically be characters. It may be other things like whole planets. And then you're going to get a very sh- tight 30 on the explanation. And if you want more, Wikipedia will be in the notes so that you can get it. We're going to start by all characters a fair game. And we're going to start with the power vibes as opposed to the power five. And uh, we're going to start with the Rebel Alliance during the Civil War era. And Josiah, you've got the very first one. And for whatever reason, you went local because all politics are local. Yeah. Yeah, we got we got. So first entrance for our college football Rebel Alliance conference, we got ourselves Sam Houston State. Uh they feel very rebellion to me because they've been working in the background for a bit. You know, they're they're an FCS team. They've they've hit the big stage. They've won the title. You know, um, but they they're really starting to hit their stride at this point, and it's got a very rebellion esque feel. You know, especially in the shadow of an empire. They were kind of small. Now they've now they're you know, worked their way up and and killed the Death Star. So not saying he, Sam Houston State's gonna you know beat Georgia or something, but. Uh, you, know, you know, you never know. But what Maybe if they did? That would be unbelievable. I'd love. They that. did beat the Georgia of FCS. So I mean, that's true. That's true. So it feels like the, what was the, the ghost. Oh, 
The crew of the ghost. Okay. Mm-hmm. Give me a tight 10 on what the ghost was. Ghost is a ship in Rebels, and the show kind of follows those characters, and their kind of start is a very localized cell of the Rebellion and hook up with, a, with larger groups as the Rebellion grows. And you kind of see the development of the Rebellion up until just about right before Rogue One. Excellent, excellent. I've got the second one of the uh, the Rebel Alliance, the Rebel Scum, or the Alliance for the Restoration of the Galactic Republic. And so I went with Virginia Polytechnic Institute and State University, better known as Virginia Tech, because they are scavengers, builders, experts of tools, Junkers, hard scrabble farmers seeking to create, and their comp is Incom Corporation, which are the manufacturers of the X-Wing. And so this is a group that went out and said, we see the rebellion, we want to help them, so we're going to design a vehicle that's going to allow you to take on this galactic uh, empire. And so I thought that what better way would be the guys making the best fighter uh, uh, that the rebellion has. Figured that would be a good look. Any thoughts on that, Jeff or Josiah? Squares up to me, especially yeah, like, oh. the, uh, yeah, the technical side, X-Wing, you know, stunt fighters. Sounds good. Go take out that Death Star. Jeff, you have one that I really, listen, Jeff, this is probably one of my favorites. Go ahead and walk me through this one and why you made the choice. All right, so once this was considered top of the line over time, <laughs> kind of faded a bit, but still really, really effective, uh, and do not underestimate them, that would be the Y-Wing. Uh, which debuted during the Clone Wars and was really a big backbone of the Rebellion, as well as your Army Gold Knights that had a lot of success in kind of early and in, in mid-20th century. Less so now, but I would I would not want to uh, play them. Triple option is still going to really mess you up. Mm-hmm. Cut blocks to take those knees out for sure. I, I really like this because... Uh, one of the things about the Y-Wing that we never really talk about, but this is in the expanded lore, is that Y-Wing squadrons would do hit-and-run tactics against the Imperials. Just They'll show up before the TIE fighters can get scrambled, drop a bunch of bombs, and then take out vital infrastructure for larger facets of the Alliance to come through and do work. I, great comp here. I love it a lot. And so we're going to serpentine. <laughs> so we're going to go back to Jeff. Jeff, I, this is another one that I think you did a good job on. Why don't you go ahead and explain this one, too? Yeah, so this is often forgotten because they're in the shadow of some other popular schools around them or ships around them in this case. Um, but they're really cool, really underappreciated. That would be the B-Wing as well as UCLA. Also, shout out to a B-Wing enjoyer slash UCLA fan on the Discord. <laughs> Look, it's I love that they name the, the, the fighters after letters because... One of the things that we don't really talk about is that TIE Fighter is an acronym. It means twin ion engine. But the X-Wing just tells you it's shaped like an X. I don't know, man. Mm -hmm. We didn't have a better name for it. And it's just <laughs> a rogue squadron forever, man. Uh, Josiah, I, I know you wanted to come in right after this because oh, you yeah. went ahead and you, you picked a good one that they're stepping up because they wanted to be a part of the rebellion. Yeah, we got we got good old Kennesaw State. Um, and, you know, kind of like a lot of the other ships in the rebellion, not one not one specific one, just sort of in a general sense. It, they look kind of old, you know, that whole triple option thing. I hope I hope they keep a version of that, although I know rule changes are making it a little harder to run that offense in the pure purest sense. But, you know, it looks a little old, but they work really well. Kennesaw State's been a very good team for a while. And uh, 
I hope they can keep doing that moving forward. Kind of like, kind of like you know, good old Y wings, your old uh, X wings, and everything. Hopefully, they can keep chugging away. If they can't, well, we're in trouble. Yeah, a lot of these teams are stepping up, and they're now making it harder for FCS teams to step up. Possibly, um, mm. if the I will say this: if these rule changes that have been recommended are passed by the NCAA. Moving up to the FBS will be all but a pipe dream for a lot of HBCUs. Um, at one point, the SWAC was considering moving up as a conference. But if they make if they make this change where they're now going to uh, require five million dollars and then an increase in scholarships, that is going to be extraordinarily difficult for uh, almost all of the HBCUs. I, I honestly and candidly can't think of one that would be able to make that jump effectively. Yeah, and there are some real questions about schools that are currently in FBS, whether they would meet that requirement as well <laughs> and what would happen there. So, yeah, it's. I think it, it closes off the top level of the sport, and I think the way that media attention works in the sport that's going to close off attention to a lot of schools that have, you know, really need stories to tell and, and play some fun football and have some fun off field stuff. So it would be kind of sad to see that happen. One of the questions that I had about this and maybe either uh, Jeff or Josiah can maybe walk me through it. A team like North Dakota state, which has had immense success at the FCS. The question always becomes, do you stay and keep winning or do you move up? But does the calculus change outside of, that of finding a conference where your neighbors are nearby West Virginia made that calculation because they had to but North Dakota State doesn't does something like five million dollars and then 200 scholarship athletes being on your uh, scholarship count does something like that make a difference Josiah I know you know you've had this conversation before but how would something like that stress a school like North Dakota State yeah I mean the Dakotas are those the schools are not you know they're not as they're not the most it's not the most populous state and they get oil money but that's you know anybody in an oil state will tell you that is boom or bust sometimes it's real good sometimes it's not so sure. 5 million dollars may not seem like a lot to people to you know for schools like even Oklahoma state Mississippi state where they have the bigger media money contracts coming in but when you're North Dakota state even one of the most successful Dakota schools like it, it's that's a lot of money. Like they, they, you know, that's not they don't pay their coaches five million a year. Like it's no, that is a ton of money. Even for for a big school, it's a lot of money. For a school that's even one step down, it's ha one half step down. That's a huge amount of money. And then yeah, you're having to invest in scholarships, and then there's stadium requirements. Like all the other that five million could go towards those other things. Now you're having to just burn it. And then do the other things too. So yeah, you basically need a big mega booster to come in and say, I'll pay for all this. There's just, it's going to be really hard, especially in a state like North Dakota. And like you said, travel expenses, if they're not in like the Big Ten, which the Big Ten would probably not take them, uh, then even further than they usually would. And, you know, they still have to travel a lot, but it would be worse if they're in the Big 12 suddenly or, you know, Conference USA, God forbid, having to go play FIU. Um, you know, so, yeah, it's 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 a huge stressor and it may not seem like much compared to like the buyouts Auburn is shelling out. But, you know, right. it's it's ton. It's a ton of pressure. And it's very impressive yeah, for them that they're playing teams relatively locally because where they recruit from yeah. is often other places mm -hmm. in the upper Midwest. So uh, right. Wisconsin and Minnesota. And so it's important they have a lot of other rivals kind of within that region so that your 
if you're saying, hey, your kid's going to play, it's, you know, going to be only a five-hour drive or whatever. If you no longer have that, if you're now in something like the Mountain West, where it has to be a flight, I think that, that makes things a lot harder for them in terms of uh, recruiting athletes. And particularly now, if you have to recruit more athletes, it becomes a really big challenge uh, where it could be an open question of whether they could still compete. And I think to fans, it, it matters you beating local rivals probably more than necessarily being at the higher level, um, particularly when you've got all the Dakota schools are in the same conference and playing each other and a lot of other schools in the area. If you lose that, it's, is it really worth it? Um, if, if you're a whole mm-hmm. conference moving around. So if you're, I think, well, you mentioned the SWAC, if they all move up, right. then that you're keeping those close connections mm-hmm. um, or if, an entire conference moves down, you know, if the map decides to be FCS, you're still keeping a lot of those connections that that's still important to those alumni that, you know, all of those Ohio schools, you're still playing each other. If you start disconnecting that from each other, even if you're playing at a higher level, one of the things that you use sports for is connecting with alumni. And if you've now lost that, it's a huge loss. Yeah. Yeah. Jeff, Josiah, one word answer. With the NCAA making this possible change, do you think the NCAA will bifurcate FBS into a higher tier, keep the FBS level, and keep the FCS level? Jeff, yes or no? No. Josiah, yes or no? I'm going to break the rule, but it's yes, but the NCAA is not going to be the one in charge of the top level. Okay, I like it. My answer is yes. I think the NCAA is going to see a real benefit to putting maybe the Big Ten and the SEC in their own level and then keeping everybody else at that FBS level and then having an FCS level below that. So the final, uh, our final for this episode of the Rebel Alliance, I have Clemson University. They're peaceful and idyllic. That's a a bold pick. (laughs) They've got a lake. And they have stood up to the Empire single-handedly, and they finished the drill. They destroyed the Death Star. Uh, and so I have them as the Alliance Navy. Just They have the speed. They have undersized capital ships. They've got sometimes great leaders standing out there making great plays. And every once in a while, they get a Luke Skywalker to show up and give them a little push of the force. So... That's my my comp as the final one. And we will do more of these. So we've only got six in the conference right now. This is 1940s conferences, but we're going to be expanding out on that a little further. Uh, We have the other side of this conference, though, which is the resistance, which is the modern day uh, inheritor of the rebellion. And Jeff, you've got our inaugural pick. Who do you have uh, uh, lining up on uh, on one side of the resistance for that conference? So you might see this as uh, outdated tactics and involving just dropping power and maybe not being the most uh, offensively successful sometimes. Uh, that would be the MG100 Star Fortress SF-17 or Iowa. Basically, because America needs farmers. Mm-hmm. Um, although there, I, I will say I love that ship. It may be because I've got like nostalgia for World War II movies and it feels very much, it it is an intentional shout out to World War II bombers and and those movies. And I I do love that. But uh, yeah, 
there there were many people on the internet asking why, and the answer is because things that look cool on screen and homages to World War II Absolutely. movies. But uh, I don't know if that's the most tactically good idea. But uh, the point is, movies is fun. Uh, Agreed. And I see I, you're following up. Oh, go ahead, Josiah. I was going to say, I ain't coming to Star Wars for accurate physics, man. Like, that's not why I'm here. We got, we got, we got 2001 Space Odyssey for that stuff. You, you, we can hit that up. Look, I, there was much ballyhooed about the, <laughs> the scene where they, spoilers, uh, hyperspace into the First Order fleet, and it shatters and it blows it out. And, like, it looked cool. <laughs> so I don't, the, the <laughs> yeah. physics kind of don't matter because it looked cool. It looked uh, cool. I think it's, it was a good character moment, too. Agreed. Um, Even though I don't like the character, but I do agree. Yeah, like, it, it worked narrowly. It worked with the character. So you kind of have to do mental gymnastics for why it worked in the universe. But I think to an extent, that's a third thing in, uh, you know, a third priority here in the telling the narrative, doing the character, and looking good on screen. <laughs> you know. Yeah, it was great. I love it. Uh, Jeff, you have another. Yeah, speaking of looking back. good on screen. Uh, <laughs> are they going to do well? Because they're flashy, cool, aggressive, or will this all blow up in their face and cause a long-term defeat, even if they're able to win some short-term battles? Those would be your uh, USC Trojans as well as Poe Dameron. This is a great comp. You got, you know, the guy that is all flash, very little substance, flying around, and then suddenly you're a general now because you ask questions. It's it's great. I, you, you Again, you always amaze me, but this is a great pick. And, and Josiah, I do want to kind of touch on this because even if we do a larger preview of USC, of Southern California, and we say they got Lincoln Riley, they got the reigning Heiser Trophy winner, they've, you know, taken all these transfers, they're in Hollywood – what are we looking at here as a structure? Like, are they building a house? Are they building a mansion? Are they building a shack? Like, what do we have here? You know, I, it's, I, I'm really not sure what Lincoln Riley can do at USC. That's going to look all that different from what he did at OU. And I know that that's probably a little ignorant, but I don't see those two programs as that, like, historically different. So when I look at OU, I'm like, okay, they did all this stuff, but they never quite topped out because that defense just never, never was able mm-hmm. to rise to the occasion enough. And I'm like, I think USC might be the same thing unless they can flip that script with some edge that USC might have. I just don't see a way for. I, I think Riley's ceiling may be his defense. His offenses are never not going to be amazing. He's never not sure. going to. He's probably going to set the record for most Heisman Award winners coached. I mean, like he's still not even. He's not fifty, and he's almost there. You know, he's nowhere close to that. And so I, but I, I just don't know if he'll ever get the title because unless he gets a good defense. And I just, I don't know if he's going to be able to pull that off. If, and if he can't do it at OU, and he. I, I don't know why he would be able to do it at USC. I think that's my feelings. He's got three. I just thought about that. That's You make a good point. I just yeah. know this. I, I, since you're talking bad about their defenses, the Boz is going <laughs> to ban you from watching any Dr. Pepper commercials, and Troy Palomalu may ban you from any shampoo commercials. So. Well, I mean, the Boz, was a good, they were a good defense. That's my point. Like, oh, you had good defenses, but not under Lincoln Riley. Like, well, you know. 
you know, everyone talks yeah. about Texas Tech, but you look at them Lincoln Riley teams and they were they could outscore you, but they'd also give up 40 points sometimes. So, yeah, I mean, well, I think when they enter the Big Ten, they're going to make noise. I think there's yeah. a question of can they win it? And also, <laughs> does it matter if they can still make a 12 team playoff? Like, I think they're still going to do well by most program standards. Oh, yeah. There's an interesting question of if you now are in conference with Michigan and Ohio State and Penn State that are all sort of peers to you. Um, what does this all look like? And is it going to be a little bit of, can you get lucky when you guys are all have a down year or up year? Um, but they're all very relatively consistent programs. So mm-hmm. um, I think they're going to probably have a year of adjustment and then a year of doing pretty well after that. Um, once you get used to those new opponents um, and used to some of the logistical changes that you're going to have. Um, but yeah, I think, it, it'll be interesting if they're going to do well. I think a question is, is that well enough for their expectations? So I, I have yes. thoughts on this because I have made this argument in the past. It doesn't really matter how big the conferences get because at the end of the day, someone has to come in last. And if you put all of these great teams, I have yet to witness a conference where three to five upwards of half of the conference are all at their peak at the same time. The only one I can personally think of is when the best Texas tech team of all time showed up in the big 12 and the best they could do was finish third. And that was through no fault of their own. It was through dumb BCS we follow this ranking and that's who wins a three-way tie Josiah fix your conference. But like, I'm, I'm just making this point that like, even, you know, we have yet to see peak Alabama, peak LSU, peak Auburn, peak Georgia, peak Florida, all at the same time. And I don't think we'll see, you know, even if people say, Hey, Penn state is a peer, they're up here on, you know, stilts because we don't know when or if they'll drop one to, say, Indiana, which happened recently, recently-ish. I mean, you know, uh, Michael Penix Jr. was the quarterback of that team. But, like, the point I'm getting at is, like, I don't know that all four of those teams will be at their peak at the same time. And I don't think they'll all be down at the same time either. Yeah. I don't know how long, you know, Ohio State's not going to be good. Ohio State will not be at this level forever. Yeah, and I mean, I think some of this is the kind of three very successful historically Eastern teams in the Big Ten all are kind of recruiting from similar wells. So it is hard for them all to be at a peak at the same time because they are pulling talent from the same places. Um, Right. In kind of your uh, Eastern Ohio, Western Pennsylvania, plus New Jersey, um, area so part and part of this is that so you have an interesting thing USC is probably pulling a lot of its talent or you know its baseline talent from Southern California so they actually may be yeah. having a little bit of a different well obviously recruiting is a little bit more national where how much that matters it may be less than historically but I think you still have you're going to rotate through who's up who's down at the same time and yeah, I mean, it's half. It's also luck of someone's gonna trip up 
just on something stupid because this is a 12 game season and off days happen weird weather happens someone else has a really high day like body clock yeah like something will happen to any one of these teams that someone will just get unlucky or lucky in a year and that's just kind of college football sure no i think you're right i i We'll see. And I'm excited for this first year, and then I'm excited to see how it's going to go in this second year. The, the first so, home trip, or the first away trip yes. to the Big Ten schools for USC is going to be fascinating, because that's going to be a game that everyone's going to be up for. Hostile. And I think some of them where the weather gets funky, people are going to really beat their chest out about it, and it's going to be fascinating to watch. Like the first like yeah. USC in the snow game is going to be entertaining. Like, they might it actually is. do fine, but I think the discourse around it is going to be fascinating to watch, how fans react, and just the aesthetics of, like, in Iowa in November. <laughs> Here is yeah. USC, which you don't normally see, you know, surrounded by snow. It'll be a, a, a fun thing to watch. What's funny about all this is we refuse to talk about the Bruins because they're going to have the exact same problem with maybe a step down talent wise. Not to say that USC is not talented. I'm not suggesting that. But what I am suggesting is they don't have the Heisman reigning Heisman Trophy winner as their quarterback. Yeah, yeah I, I think fans will also not react the same way to UCLA because it's not that historic power. Like, I think sure. people will get up to be obnoxious about USC playing in the snow UCLA, it'll be kind of funny if you're the fan that that finds that a little funny, but I don't think that you're going to have, like, Iowa fans be shirtless in November just to say that they can handle the snow against UCLA. Um, But it will be fun doing some road trips out to... uh, out to the Rose Bowl for a lot of fans. plane trips? Haven't had, uh, well, yeah, plane trips. Uh, <laughs> that haven't had that uh, experience in a while from the Rose Bowl game. Um, although there will be a, a little bit of driving because it is uh, Southern California and they don't have great public transit. Fair. Great point. Speaking of the West Coast, Josiah, who do you have here for the resistance? All right. Well, yeah. Speaking of California, we got ourselves the Valley. We got Fresno State. Um, so they seemed resistance to me, partly because they're just, you know, they're wor- they're really competent, running, you know, d- steady performance year in and year out. You know, very rarely are they bad. Yeah, may they not be, they may not be amazing. They may not win their conference, but they have been so reliably solid for so long, or at least that's in within recent memory. Maybe there were dark ages that I didn't experience because I'm not a Fresno State fan, but. You know, they they large really steady performance despite having the big brands out there like USC completely overshadowing them in a national context. Uh, but yeah, just steady performance. So not really any one person, more just the resistance as a whole to some extent. They're they're just kind of kind of humming along and kind of in a similar vein. Although again, another FCS team moving up, Jacksonville State I think also belongs yeah. in this conference. You know. As a resistance member, they again history of taking down bigger opponents. You know they've infamously beat some FBS teams, an SEC team, um, and you know they've been good. But you know we're not sure how long they're going to last, which is another <laughs> feature of the resistance at points in those movies. Like oh, 
there's like there's like 20 of us left at least in the formal structure sure. of this so you know so yeah jacksonville state thinks you know for different reasons both feel kind of like resistance teams I like that point a lot. I've always wondered, because we talk about San Diego State, maybe, will they, won't they? Why hasn't the Pac-10 slash 12 really just sat down and said, why not the Valley? Let's bring in Fresno. If this is, and I'm being serious here, if this is just because of some sort of we're looking down upon them because they're not a state-state university and are a city-state university, then this may be the death knell of the Pac-12 as a power conference. Jeff, do you have any insight as to why Fresno is like maybe a second-class citizen in California? So I, it is not dissimilar to a lot of other ag schools or regional ag schools where, because Fresno, for those that are unaware in the kind of general valley area, is a very agricultural area um it is where to be honest as a nation most of our vegetables come from so thank you one in five i think much 20 percent of all of our food comes from the the valley yeah um and so i there is a little bit of elitism from other places particularly in california to there it is the way that if you think about in general there's a stereotype of people in coastal areas looking down on, on the interior. It's that within the state of California. Um, and so I think there's a little bit of that. There's a little bit of it's seen as kind of a more practical school rather than a more research ivory tower school. Now, obviously there are schools like that already in, in the PAC 12 and I mean, schools obviously, we need schools that educate people on agriculture because you know, it's what makes humanity move and it's probably our most important technological achievements as a civilization of humanity have been in, in agriculture. Um, so there's some of that. I think there, there may also be a, well, is there, is it as marketable because it is a less well-off area than you'd think of, San Diego and Southern California are um, in the Valley. And I think to an extent, I think it's a place that can brand itself as we are the team for this region because there isn't a lot of other sports in that region. So it it can actually, I think that they are a really strong brand, um, probably stronger in some ways than San Diego state that has a lot of competition locally for sports attention um, with multiple pro teams, um, and a lost team on the way and your LA teams. And so I honestly think it might be a better addition than San Diego state. I think part of the reason that San Diego state's looked at is just, we want a presence that's not too far from Los Angeles for saying to players and players, parents, Hey, your friends and family can come. It's only a two hour drive, even though it's probably sometimes a four hour drive, but sure. Build more trains. Um, <laughs> Be nice. <laughs> Never discount the power of elitism. Well, knowing that you just basically said Babylon running the irrigation offense is what led us here, I'm going to go ahead and give us our last team in the resistance, and that's Louisiana Monroe. They're seemingly neutral, but they've got a good heart, and I have them in the resistance, and that their comp is the Slicer DJ who was found in jail 
by uh, 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 the team that was helping the resistance during the uh, the Last Jedi, and so I, I figured that, that would character. be a good one. Oh, I love the sl- DJ. And I oh, love yeah. Guillermo del really uh, performance. He was so good. He was so good. Uh, and I think that's a good comp for Louisiana Monroe. So here is where the March of the Empire is playing in the background as we're getting ready to start talking about the Galactic Empire and the First Order as our two conferences. Uh, I really, you know, again, Jeff, you've really, you've outdone yourself once again. Kind of walk me through the very first team at the top of the bullet here and why you picked this team. Yeah. So I'm just somebody who's blinded by hubris about uh, a monster they've created and built, uh, not realizing that they're, one weakness would be uh, aerospace-obsessed farm boys. And congratulations, it's Wolof Turkin. It's also Ohio State. That's it. That's the empire. That's our... Listen, mm-hmm. no one impl- exemplifies the evil empire more than a small team who's looking around and thinking we cannot be beaten by farm boys. I just... And Jeff, I, I, I'm going to pull Josiah in in a moment because I do want to get his take on this, but... <laughs> But Jeff, I know you gave us a quick 30, but I really want to flesh out Grand Moff Tarkin for a second here. And like, he started from nothing. At one point is said to hold Vader's leash by one of the rebel scum, Princess Leia herself. But Ohio State is the final boss for the for the Big Ten. Literally the final boss for Michigan. But like, walk me through why the Empire's very first one on our list is Ohio State and why we feel like they're fitting for this. I think that, well, one, yeah, they're the the final boss. They kind of feel like they control the conference in a pretty serious way. I mean, they're probably the most historically powerful uh, team within the Big Ten. There is also just an arrogance by a lot of their fans about where they are in the conference and in the sport that I think is not dissimilar to how a lot of the generals in the empire and very specifically Tarkin um, feel about where they are, where the empire is as you begin um, a new hope. And so to me, it's just a a very obvious comparison um, there. I like it a lot. Uh, Josiah, if you could, in, 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 in as tight as a form factor as you can make it, walk me through how teams build upon their success, not necessarily more success, but the expectation of future success and how failure really strikes them down catastrophic ways. And, and to give an example, to Jeff's point, Ohio State believed the good times will last forever. We will always beat our rivals. We will always win our conference. And now after two years, they're having an existential crisis where they want to fire a coach who has lost five games. <laughs> Walk me through how that kind of cultural infrastructure lends itself to that and how we can maybe make it so that the infrastructure prevents that. You know, there we talk about how when you're building up a program, you make traditions Yes. Some of those traditions are, they can kind of come out of anywhere. They can be lots of different things. And you can look at sports, look at football, especially, and college life. So many different kinds of traditions across the board. There's not as much uniqueness as we think sometimes, but, you know, what is a tradition, the type of tradition that matters at X versus Y? 
even just similar schools. You know, one school does this, one school does that. One school has a chant, the other has a gesture. Sometimes your tradition is winning a certain game, and that's mm. that. I mean, you look, you know, we've talked about Bedlam, why it's no, not really a fun rivalry for OSU, and that's the tradition of losing, and OU has that tradition of winning. When they lose, they, I mean, like, they are really annoyed by that, like, super bothered by it. Maybe sure. even more than Texas, because they are used to winning this. This is not an equal. And so for Ohio State, you know, they, they throttled Michigan for so many years. And they're also the real rivals, but... You know, that be that is that was starting to become a tradition. I mean, kind of like Army Navy. You know, Navy had a a good run of success there, and then when they lost their first one, it was you know it was some some of the players you could just see on their faces when Navy lost that first in a long time. Just I mean, it's devastating anyway. But like, there is a uniqueness to it that because we're the first team in a long time to to break tradition, and so. You know, as far as preventing fans from building those obscene expectations, I don't think you can. I mean, you really just can't. I think it's impossible. You have to feed the monster, and eventually the monster will eat you. And that's just it. Like, that's where Nick Saban has somehow managed to maintain excellence, but even he isn't getting a title every year, even though he's gotten a lot. Um, you yeah. know, the, the, the fans are going to demand sameness and improvement. And if you don't do those things, you know, it's gotten a lot of good coaches fired from doing a very good job, but not a great job. It's just, I don't, yeah, it's a problem you can't fix. You just have to, to try to mitigate it where you can, but ultimately, you know, you, you can't, you can't solve it. I think. I want to really stump for that for a moment because, um, Navy had an expectation. That's why they stepped up to the American out of being an independent because they had an expectation that these good times will last forever from mm-hmm. Paul Johnson into uh, uh, the current coach who just uh, left. His name escapes me at the moment. I apologize for that. Uh, Ken Niamatololo. Niamatololo, right. Ken Niamatololo, who just recently was fired. But losing to Army broke the Naval Academy. I don't think Munkin beat them in a way, and I watched some of the game, but Munkin brought an offense that is just non-triple enough to break Navy's defense. And they they ground them down, and it has fundamentally broken their program. Not just the, the team that they beat. Their program has been dysfunction since then, um, and in a way that's subtle. I'm, I'm, I'm sure if we listen to Stephen Godfrey, he can probably uh, elaborate more on that, but the, it fundamentally broke them. And it's changed how they view the rivalry and changed how they had they how how they view their entire program. Um, Jeff, again, keep it on our steam here within the uh, galactic empire. Who do you have next? And yeah, keep outdoing yourself. I'll say <laughs> with, with some of the historically successful teams, I went very back in a compliment, Hayden, um, on them, but you also have nah, good historical football, so I don't feel that sorry for you. Um, Capable of building a Death Star, but encumbered by their own naked ambition. Director Critic and uh, and Texas. God, I don't want to elaborate on that. Just leave it there and let them be mad. It's <laughs> um, actually almost there, a, Jeff. My next one's almost a, a pure compliment. Um, it is. I like this one a lot too. Mm. Methodog- uh, methodologically studying their opponents, willingness to tactically adapt so that they can be successful, 
sometimes a little bit of political incompetence um, be Thrawn. And also your Alabama Thrawn. Crimson Tide. Oh, I like this one so much because, like, considering their all-time greatest blood rival in the state is probably the greatest example of the rebellion that we could come up with. The fact that you were like, yeah, this guy who got kidnapped by a bunch of rebels so that he couldn't destroy the rebellion, but maybe now he's coming back and he's real pissed off about it. I, oh man, this is such a good one. I I love this so much because even now the off the field stuff is also there of just like this curmudgeon who maybe doesn't understand you've got to play that side too. Oh, it's really good. It's really good. I like it a lot. Oh, oh, another great character, oh, great. by the way. Oh, yeah. Uh, if, oh, yeah. yeah. I, I encourage everybody, both the um, Heir to the Empire books, as well as some of the newer books that Timothy Zahn has written uh, within the new canon, um, all great. And the new show, coming out. It's coming. Yep. We're not sponsored by the, the creators of this, but if we ever <laughs> do, we'll talk about them. But yeah, it's coming. And I'm actually, I have made it my business not to watch the streaming shows, but I, this might be one I might have to break that promise. I might have to go and check it out. They almost got me with Luke mm-hmm. dating. They almost got me with Luke dating his dad's Padawan. They almost got me. <laughs> and she's my played by my favorite actress. Uh, I might have to check it out. But I'm going to move on, if that's okay, uh, mm-hmm. to our next Empire. And I really like this one. It's a literal super weapon. Always charging and maybe sometimes imploding on itself. Um, this is Pit, and they're the Death Star. And I don't... I don't have anything else to say about that. I have nothing else to say about that. Uh, Jeff, who do you have? Yeah. This one, this oh, one. wait. Oh. Okay, good. We're, we're good. I thought this yeah. was the last one. Go ahead, Jeff. I'll say, Josiah and I's next next ones are a little bit linked, but uh, sometimes thrown out there with no shields, no hyperdrives. Um, absolutely, though, will surprise you um, with how good they are. They're very hard mm-hmm. to shake. Those would be uh, TIE Fighters. Um, as well as I'm gonna give Kent State a little bit of a shout out here and the team 2022 champions <laughs> and teams that need to do a ton of buy games. It it's a rough life you gotta live, uh, but keep doing what you're doing and like beat some people that think that oh we've got shields we're fine. No, you don't. <laughs> you're not fine. You're not fine. Oh, man, that's a good one. And I, I maintain they played Georgia better than anybody else. Yeah. Uh, Josiah, who is our final in this conference? Who do it, you got? It's a little on the nose, but I'm going to go with Air Force. And like Jeff was saying, I think where Kent State is more of the traditional TIE fighters, I'm going to say Air Force is probably, they're, they're a bit more of a TIE bomber type. You know, they're going to bombard oh, yeah. you. They're not as fast because, again, you, know, you got that triple type offense. But they will blow you up sometimes. You will also completely annihilate them because, you know, no shields, no real protection. Or if they have shields, it's nothing like what you're going to get on another kind of rebel ship that's got more thought put into it, a little less industrial. But, I mean, they can really mess you up, man. If you don't prepare for it, that Air Force can come in there and and wreck your day. They also might just get completely blown out of the sky. (laughs) There's a little... That possibility is totally in there, but... And again, Air Force being, I know it's on the nose, but man, you can't, you cannot do it. You just can't. Like, they're. No, I, I think it's good. And Air Force is one of those, like, I, I was skeptical. And again, you'll forgive me. I was skeptical when everyone was like, this Air Force team is going to run away with the Mountain West Conference. And I'm like, guys, let's, 
Hold on, guys. <laughs> still Air Force. Let's my, take a look at what they've got. My favorite. Go ahead, I, I, I still love that when the Army-Navy game was happening, because Air Force already had the Commander-in-Chief Cup, they, did, they posted a video of their cup arriving at their facility. I'm like, man, I know that a lot of people don't like Air Force within those other two branches. I understand why, but I think that pettiness level is mint. It's so good. Oh, it is good. It's great. I just think it's very funny that, like, man, they're the little brother, and it's, they will always be the little brother. The little brother of the armed forces. It's incredible. God, just wait for Space Force Academy. It's going to be great. Um <laughs> The Air Force won't know what to do with themselves if there's a space force. Oh, oh my gosh. <laughs> so I want to move on to Scum and Villainy. And Jeff, you have been chomping at the bit to talk about this. This was the reason why we did this entire thing. Walk me through. I'm going to give you 45 seconds instead of 30. Walk me through this, please. <laughs> All right. Uh, this is also one of my favorite characters. Um, this character likes digging valuable things up from the ground, uh, makes some bold plans, and gets... A little bit ahead of their skis, sometimes those blow up in their faces, sometimes it works really well. But it's always, at the very least, pretty entertaining, um, and also has a very cool uh, set of furry friends. That would be Dr. Afra, and also Texas A&M. I just, I'm always in awe of these, because I thought I was really doing something. And then I see this, and I'm like, I now can't unsee this. And every time I see the character, I'm going to think, man... Jimbo could really get along with this guy. And it gal. just <coughs> Oh, sorry. Sorry. Apologies. This gal, man. I just oh it's so good. It's so good. It's a great character and a great comp. Josiah, thoughts? Anything you want to add? Oh no, I mean the whole blip build digging it up from the ground, oil, oil school. It's just it's perfect, it's man. Perfect. They... Did it again. Yeah, for those unfamiliar again. with the character, um, if there are any listeners. Imagine Indiana Jones, but with less morals and more explosives. <laughs> I don't like where we're going. And also this. a woman. Um, and that is Dr. Afra. She is a great character, um, but is a pretty morally ambiguous character um, pretty often. And yeah, the the ends up... Uh, Making big big swings and they sometimes work out, they sometimes don't. But uh, typically, uh, getting her way out of that to live another day. You did it again. <clears throat> so, what is this next one here? Did you settle on a school? Let me back up. Did you settle on a school? I'm just going to do LSU for this one because it's one of the things that's probably okay. a little bit more uh, okay. Louisiana than... Than the other school, although the other school, um, we'll find a place for them. Don't worry. Yeah. All right. So, uh, known for a bit of wild living, uh, some ruthlessness, uh, spice, and also their history is pretty uncomfortable. If you want to find out how they got their power and money, <laughs> um, well. the Pike Syndicate, and also LSU. I'm here for it. I mean, look, I I think that's a good comp. They just drank more jello shots than any number of humans should ever consume in a weekend. So I don't know, man. They're gonna they're gonna have a good time with that one. Don't worry, we have a place for the other school, which will remain nameless. 
And uh, they will show up in the sequel as probably when the Empire Strikes Back. <laughs> um, now it's to me, and I have two back-to-back, uh, and I hope that's cool with everybody, but I uh, start, decided to put them in the hive of scum and villainy. And uh, to be fair, they are a far-flung locale. They produce multiple general generational talents. They are sometimes winning big and at other times, it's been desolate. This is the University of Miami at Coral Gables, um, and they are scoundrels, and the comp I have for them is Tatooine, because I felt like that was just the perfect example. Um, the next one, I have another sort of neutral party. They were originally with the powers that be, but then they defected. They kind of just wandered around. And then they kind of swerve back into place. Uh, this is Georgia Tech, the Georgia Institute of Technology. And my comp is all of the evil droids that you can find. <laughs> because I, they just, they are all over the place. They were with the Empire. Then they left the Empire. And now they're with a lesser Empire. It's very strange. But they're just guns for hire and they're droids. And I, that's what I had on that. Hopefully you guys can flesh it out to make me look so much smarter than I really am. I mean, Miami being Tatooine, the sand at least works, you know? Yes. And I mean, I do feel like if the Huts are going to back a university, it might oh, easy. be, it might be, full, I mean, they'd probably back more than one, but I, I you well, know, they, that feels like, it's like Miami and Arizona State, like those are the two schools that feel very Hut-like to me. And uh, yeah, I'm on, I'm on board. Arizona State has a has a has a a, a sarlacc pit. I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. See, the sure. the humidity is not present on Tatooine, but fair. I think a lot of the other stuff is there, and it is a crossroads for a lot of historic criminal enterprises. And uh, Miami also has that in their history. Mm-hmm. Correct. Hey, I thought it would work. Yeah. Josiah. Oh, go ahead. Oh, yeah. I, I'm, I'm, I'm ready to go with Scum and Villainy. Please give me this one. Finish out <laughs> I'm the excited. conference for now. We got San Diego State. Now, that may Oof. be... They, they were a hard one to place, but I think considering... Even in real life. <laughs> yeah, I mean, considering their recent <laughs> difficulties with knowing where do we want to be and then saying, like, we intend to eventually leave the conference and then saying, well, no, maybe we don't. Um... You know, they're, they're pretty good at what they do, and they are looking to move up in the world, but they might have, you know, made enemies with pretty much everybody in the process. And Jeff pointed out that to me that this is basically Lando Calrissian for the most part. I mean, you know, they, they're, 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 you know, they're nice. They're attractive. Lando's a really good looking guy. He's got charisma, but he also has kind of you know, mess things up for a lot of people on the way up the ladder. And even when he gets there and is trying to do the right thing, he's still, he's still got that scoundrel in him. Um, so you got that. And then Houston, on the other side of this, feels very scum and villainy to me. You know, they feel like that military contractor. Yep. You know, they're affiliated with, they've got that connection to the space race. They're going to make whatever you want, but they also might blow up. And I mean, you know, especially with Dana Holgerson as your head coach, Maybe a win eleven games, maybe a win four. I don't know. Ooh, um, good point. But but you know they've they. I mean even some even some of their basketball history. You know, I slam a jamma did not win the national championship. Never did. Uh, came close. Got, yeah, they came close, but they got taken out by surviving advance NC State. So I mean, uh, they sure did. 
what are you, what are you going to do? You know, it's, uh, they, they, they're, they're gonna, they're gonna get close, but you know, they might blow up in the process. Jeff, you just added in the notes who you think they are. Flesh that out. For yeah. Me. Quad drive yards. Who are the people that build yep. the star destroyers? Ah, uh, yep. That's a good one. Yeah. God, the star destroyers are so great because like Sidious designed the star destroyer looking at old Sith battleships of just everything is a nail because I have all the hammers. And they're if you're going to express power, a Star Destroyer showing up is like, oh man, you're going to wipe out a city. But also they're big targets that don't turn very well and sometimes run into each other. And so, I don't know, maybe don't always express your navy with large capital ships. Yeah, the Empire probably would have been better off with more smaller ships than uh, just a ton of big ships. But I don't know, I'm... I guess I'm not the one of the three that that served in the Navy, so I probably am the wrong person to make this pontification. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. The big ships also look cool on screen, so. They do look great on screen. I can't lie. They look amazing on screen. They make for good targets. Mm-hmm. Um, our next conference, ladies and gentlemen, I, I really like this one. I leaned heavy into this, and we have some good comps in here, one coming up that I just was perfect. Um, and so we're going to do the Jedi Order. And this basically cult, which kidnaps children and then indoctrinates them into said cult, lasted for a thousand generations and then was taken out by another religion. So they basically had a holy war, which we'll talk about later. Um, the very first one I have on here is the University of Virginia. It's a group of scholars noted for their knowledge of the laws. And then they became Jedi counselors. The comp I have for them is Eno Cordova who is uh, a character from the Jedi Survivor video game and the predecessor for that, uh, Jedi uh, 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 Fallen Order. And he is someone who, not great with a lightsaber, but spent his life keeping track of all the records. Uh, He was then ultimately unceremoniously blasted to death by uh, another Jedi Survivor who was running away. Uh, And so I figured the UVA would be a good one to get us started here. And so Josiah, you've got another one that's pretty good. Why don't you take us take us home with that? For the for Jedi Order? Yeah, the second one. Take it uh, take us home on the point. Maybe not wrap us up, but <laughs> Yeah, I mean, uh the what I got for the Jedi Order is and to me it feels a little it felt a little out of out, out off base, but the more that you guys kind of talked about it, the more I was like, okay, maybe this is right. Is Kansas State? They're they on the one hand, they're they got that ag sort of vibe which sometimes we don't think of jedi as they're very ivory towery but in a very purest way jedi can be very salt of the earth uh and kansas state is that sort of thing but they will also cut you in half there's a lot of there's a lot of uh there's you know that you've got mace windu you've got people i mean he's got the purple lightsaber um you know pretty gentle pretty nice guys and but yeah, they, they, they flash out that lightsaber and Kansas State will annihilate you, which it's been kind of their trademark since since Snyder really built them up into the, that powerhouse monster that they've been for a while. It just, it's just how it's going to go. It's a literal purple wizard, and I, I love it for that reason alone. But like, I have been on record saying that uh, uh, Bill Snyder is maybe one of the greatest coaches ever mm-hmm. and will continue to beat that drum because of what he did in Manhattan 
a school yes. that had no football team. Like, basically, we're going to close their football program and just by sh- sheer football force of will turn them into the monster that they are. Um, and so I, I, I think Mace Windu as Jedi as uh, Kansas Kansas State is perfect. I love it, uh, Jeff. I want to double back to you, and I apologize because I'm I'm no misreading worries. our our doc here. Uh, who did you have as one of the Jedi? So a relic of an ancient era, though still going strong. Often though very clouded in their judgment uh, to see changes coming. Probably should know better on <laughs> some of their i. Some of the changes in the sport of uh, what's happening, given they were in have been across so many eras, um, that would be Yoda, as well as the University of Michigan. This could have worked at a number of places, but this is the right one. This is the mm-hmm. right one. This is the absolute right one. They would hate it at first, then they'll think about it, and then they'll love it later. The the war dads. <laughs> so, because again, Yoda was a general in the Republic's army for a long, mm-hmm. long time. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I really like this one a lot. Uh, again, uh, thanks to your explanation of the cultural uh, infrastructure for Ohio State, Josiah, what is the opposite of that? So the literal opposite at Michigan where losing became the tradition and it made their cultural infrastructure weak in a lot of other ways. How would you walk us through that? Yeah, I mean, it's the way that they bounced back is patience. You just gotta it, it's it's. Harbaugh has gotten a very long leash in some ways. And I know that, you know, maybe some people wouldn't think that. But when you look at Ohio State fans just champing at the bit, trying to get rid of their coach, who's like you said, he's lost like five games <laughs> and, and not in one year. It's been several years. That's the, you know, he's he's lost one or two games a year at most. And that's insane. I mean, that's so good. So many schools like if you ask me if Mississippi State could live that life. I would be I would take it in a heartbeat like I, I'm like I don't even we might not even win national titles but if we're winning 12 games a year like that's that's great um and so yeah a place like Michigan they 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 said we think this guy can finally reshape this thing and just giving patience because that's that's what it you know that's what it takes to undo a tradition is time and they haven't you know beaten them a ton but doing it back to back helps really feel like you've broken a cycle um, where if you do it once and then the other team wins, it can, you know, you can get into that self-defeating mindset. But once you do it, when you do it twice, now it starts to feel like, okay, maybe we've evened things out. Maybe we've evened things out. Maybe this is a, uh, a little less of a, a longstanding thing we have to live through. Yeah, I thought it was great. This was one of the one of the really good ones. Uh, patience have you must, as what Yoda would say. Um <laughs> I want to kind of move on. Uh, I, I thought this one would be a good one. I have Duke as one of the, uh, the, the the Jedi Order. Hidden message of religion deep buried in there. If you go there, the Methodist Church has a school. Uh, Devils is literally in the name. Uh, the years of basic futility, Enman was eventually betrayed by their own. Uh, I have them as a Jedi, but a great Jedi. And for me, uh, this is Count Dooku himself, lo- known later in life as Darth Tyrannus, one of my favorite characters. Go ahead, Jeff. I know you really oh, want to he get is, this. He is one of mine as well. And I think a lot of the Jedi Order and the Republic, as we see it in the prequels, are very flawed institutions. Um, and I think very pertinently, Count Dooku has valid critiques of them. Um, obviously he ends up kind of, that ends up being exploited by Darth Sidious to 
kind of create the situation you end up in in Attack of the Clones. But right. I think a lot of what the Jedi Order at that early, at the period of the prequels is, is a very extremist version of itself and, and one that has very little room to maneuver with within that and is really bad for the people in the Order. And that's something that Dooku brings up. And, and in particular, there are limits to what it decides is okay to help people outside the order and in generally. And so that I think is something that the Dooku as a Jedi kind of wanted to do and em- embraced and is why he left the order, he left the order for very valid reasons and then kind of became something else. Um, I'll kind of go in a little bit back to Yoda. It is fascinating reading, reading the high Republic books that are a very different Jedi order than you see in the prequels, a kind of more balanced in how they treat individuals. Jedi Order, um, one that's a little bit more open version of themselves, uh, one that has a little bit more room for for individuals to be people rather than kind of disconnected monks that aren't really human. Um, and it is always, it's very weird to me seeing what Yoda is in uh, the prequels and what the Order is in the prequels because Yoda's been around for both eras and Yoda, you should know better. Like, you, you should know that what the Order is in the prequels is bad for people in the Order and people outside the Order. Yeah, uh, uh, Qui-Gon Jinn basically had all his influence from Darth Tyrannus, who said to Obi-Wan, don't be so sure. I was his, he was my Padawan once. Um, to your point about Yoda, who was a Jedi during the High Republic and then the Grand Master of the Order during the fall of the Republic, um, I do find it very interesting that toward the end of Je- of his life, he started to commune with Qui-Gon Jinn's force ghost and the Jedi order thought he was crazy. And that's one of the things that I think the order had lost its way a great deal uh, by the time he was the grand master of the order. Uh, I want to move on from that. Uh, Jeff, I think you had another one, which I, I like it, but I want you to explain yourself. Yeah. And I will say this was vetted by, a uh, heavy stain of this character, who is my spouse, um, and has put up a ton of art of this character uh, in, like, one corner of her house. So basically, this character is a shrine to them in our house. Um, But kind of, as they showed up, people really doubted them, um, and kind of, particularly early in their history, really struggled, and people doubted from that, but have really recently... um, Really improved, are a huge fan favorite um, within college football, have some unique uh, unique stuff with their field and their lightsabers uh, in terms of their color. That would be Sokotano, and also Eastern Michigan, who have a gray field, um, which I felt lined up very nicely with, with the white lightsabers. Um, and yeah, Eastern Perfect. Michigan has been a historically very difficult program. Um, and they've had recent success. I think a lot of people within within college football have, have really enjoyed seeing that. Um, and yeah, Ahsoka's early appearances in the Clone Wars were uh, rough, and I think a lot of people reacted negatively to that. But over over time, her character really developed, and how her character was shown really developed into probably one of the most fan-favorite characters. I think she also is yet another character that witnessed issues within the Jedi Order and 
kind of left sure to did. become someone else without some of the problems and bounds. Fake their own death. Great character. Great character. Uh, I'll round this out here. I have uh, Cal as one of the final Jedi. Uh, peaceful, one with nature. Uh, I have them at the Jedi Order, and then I have their comp as Odin Ur, who wrote the Jedi Code. He was one of the Jedis of the Old Republic, and uh, he wrote the Jedi Code that we spoke about earlier. Uh, now we're going to go on to their... You did, not even, go you did not do Cal for Cal. Like, that was no. a layup, and you no. didn't do it, which is... It I applaud you no. for, for not doing that. No. I have plans for Cal Kestis, who I think is actually a really good character. Uh, you'll see them later as as they uh, rear their ugly head. Um, I do want to jump over to the Sith Order uh, because I like the first one who you have just lining out the First Order starting quarterback of the Sith. Uh, Jeff, who do you have here? All right. They're chaotic. They are brash. They're very obsessed with avoiding their nightmares, and they turn to the dark side to avoid um, the horrors they see in their nightmares and really create the enemy um, that they wanted to avoid. That would be Anakin Skywalker and Auburn. They had the high ground, so to speak. Um, I have another one. I, I, I wanted to add this because I, I really thought this would be a good combination. Uh, I have Wake Forest. They're faintly religious. It is a religious school on very kind of the surface level background noise. Uh, Demon is literally in the name. Uh, they wear all black and they are constantly doing things like taking over the galaxy, i.e. winning their conference from time to time. Um, I have them as one of the Sith Lords. Uh, they are Darth Bane, the gentleman who created the Rule of Two to begin with. And I thought that would be a good comp for them because I'm always shocked when I'm like, Nor- Wake Forest is good? Oh, wow, Wake Forest is good. Maybe don't mess with them. Uh, so that was my comp. Hopefully it was a good one. Uh, Josiah, oh, go ahead. Oh, yeah, I was going to say, I'm ready to go. We got, <clears throat> should not be a surprise, Baylor. They're Sith. Um, a lot of reasons, some very real-world ones. They've had a lot of bad scandals that were pretty terrible. Um, they're also probably the most hated team in the Big 12. Like, you would oh, think yeah. it'd be Texas or OU, and people do hate them, but they hate them for football reasons. They hate them for winning or being cocky. Baylor, everyone just hates because of what their school has done and how they have acted, the things that they have done to students and, and other athletes. And it's why, like, <clears throat> I, I never met any OSU fans would be like, oh, yeah, this player from OU is really good. But anytime anyone brought up RG3, they'd be like, no, nah, I don't care about that guy. Like, didn't like him, don't like his school. And it's because of Baylor. I mean, if he played somewhere else, you know, I think they would have been fine with it. But, you know, RG3, uh, his whole, my whole experience of him through the OSU lens was a little bit like, there's a lot of filtering there. Uh, but, yeah, it's, it's, they're not. They they're they're Sith for all the all the right all the reasons that are not fun. <laughs> so I uh saw this and I put a comp that they are basically Darth Plagius, the yep, wise who trained right. Darth Sidious. So seems about right. That's what I figured would be good. Um I have Arkansas State and just follow me here. I've heard, never been to <clears throat> Johannesburg, but I've heard it's got a lot going on. Uh they are constantly just missing that golden ring like they'll show up they'll be really good they'll scare the pants off somebody but they're always not quite there 
Um, but they're determined. And I have them as a Darth Maul because the colors match up. But more importantly, because they always get kneecapped by Arkansas, who will never play them. Um, so <laughs> that's why I have them just as Darth keep Maul. surviving. That's right. Like they are right. clearly the school that will have uh, spider legs. They are absolutely without a doubt. Like I, I, I. That's it. Period. Uh, uh, Josiah, you threw another one on here. Formerly oh. independent, will be joining the Sun Belt. Uh, yes. Just walk me through it because they liberty. are also hated. <laughs> yeah, Liberty and Sith again. It, it, it was the sort of Sith where it's like, who let the who let this who let the evil guy in here? You know, you got a whole. Like I was thinking of even at <clears throat> at like the Separatist Council or something, you've got all these different weirdos and strange factions around the table, and then you got this like guy with glowing red horns over in the corner. Like, okay, I get that we're trying to fight them, but why do we have him again? You know, and so yeah, where did Liberty come from? Why do we have this person here? Um, you know, and and so yeah, they they are just again Baylor Liberty. Both Sith for a lot of the bad things that happen in football. They are Darth Zana, who was Darth Bane's apprentice, who murdered Darth Bane. Uh, and so we're going to move on from the Sith Order. And I really like this category because we have two divisions here. We have bounty hunters and smugglers. And Jeff wanted to get us started. And I like the comp. I don't think they're going to like the comp. Yeah, this is but maybe the one not historically <laughs> successful that I did a little bit of ribbing at. Um, sure, sure. What you got? But um, they show up first. They're really cool. Um, they've got pretty neat uniform. Um, you're like, oh, no disintegrations? Wow, you must be a badass. And then uh, come the next movie, the end of September... Uh, it turns out they can be defeated by even a drowsy and visually impaired man who, and when, you know, it truly matters, um, that would be the University of Maryland as well as Boba Fett. I'm sorry. I, I will say College Park, <laughs> great town, go Terps, uh-huh. but. Uh-huh. They'll survive a Sarlacc pit is what you're telling me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. I mean, That's they got I'm armor. Sure. They do have armor. And they make great ice cream. Uh, Josiah, walk me through your what I'm going to assume is your new conference mate that just joined this morning. <laughs> yeah. Please um, explain this to me. <laughs> we got UCF here. <clears throat> um, and they feel very Bounty Hunter-esque to me because they're always, you know, they're looking to score a big kill. They want to, to destroy. the. They want to be a giant killer. They want to destroy the things in front of them. Uh, but they're not willing to be underpaid. You know, they famously turned down some of the, uh, there was, I think it was Florida was like, yeah, we'll do you in a, we'll play you in a two, one, one game. And like, you know, that, that will be, that'll be what we'll do. You know, you can come here one time. We'll, you, you come here twice. We'll go there once. And they're like, no, we're not doing that. That's too much of a sacrifice. That's too, too, too high of a price. So very bounty hunter-esque moving up, trying to be that that national championship program. Um, and to me, that feels very much like an IG series droid, you know, IG 80, oh, yeah. but there's a, there's a bunch of them out there. Um, just, you know, very cold, very calculating. Um, and, you know, UCF is also a space school. They're a, uh, they're an engineering school. 
So, you know, droids, engineering schools, bounty hunters, just feels like a a match made in a, a match made in Tatooine's bars. It's bounce house forever. Um, I'm on the other side of the state, uh, on the west side of Florida, and I've got Florida State University as one of our uh, hive of scum and villainy. Uh, they're, you know, going for greatness and they've getting it more often than not. And they're mostly mm-hmm. unknowns, but the knowns are well known. Mm-hmm. And I've got them as a bounty hunter and I have them as Django Fett, kind of the guy that everyone copied because they want to be like Florida State. So UCF fits right into that category of I want to be a great, but I'm going to do it and kick my way in, which is basically what Florida State did 30, 40 years ago. Uh, uh, Jeff, who do you have next with uh, Midwestern dad vibes? Yeah, so got a cool spaceship. Um, As mentioned, the complete Midwestern dad vibes. Um, Very much a dude, like just kind of a dude. Um, But constantly taking down enemies that are much more powerful than him, like giant monsters of various kinds. Um, Ohio State University. Um, that would be Dinjarin, as well as your Purdue Boilermakers. Hey. Mando. This was inspired by Josiah, uh, calling Purdue a bounty hunter, so, um, to flush it out a little bit. He's going to be the next Mandalore, I promise. (laughs) Um, I've also got another one here. Uh, this is specifically about someone who's just not that guy anymore. Jeff. Yeah. Um, they're pretty consistent across eras that they are a dude that can't, should not be messed with. Uh, got some nice Western vibes too. Um, that would be Cad Bane and also Oklahoma. Like Oklahoma is very much, there are very few times in which Oklahoma has not been a pretty powerful program. Cad Bane, badass in the Clone Wars and the, Civil War era and shows up in, in Mandalorian and still a hard dude to beat. Uh, yeah. I love it. And more importantly, they also led us to all this TV nonsense. Thanks, Oklahoma. <laughs> <clears throat> Josiah, you've got one more. Uh, yeah. And I, I, I like it a lot because it's perfect. Yeah, we've got, I mean, and I, I think they would love this comp themselves, Texas Tech. Very bounty hunter-esque, gunslingers, more of a gunslinging pass, you know, when they were a lot more of the throwing it all over the field type. Not that they can't do that in the future, but, you know, hit a bit of a rough patch, looking for a new identity, a new place in this uh, galaxy. And Jeff was on the ball with this one, just said, this is Bo-Katan, you know, this this is a person who has a... Has 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 a pass as a gunslinger, but you know they might they might start running things as it goes. If 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 they really make this, if this hire pans out the way that they're hoping it could, they could be they could be back in the thick of things in the Big Twelve. They're making Exciting. the right moves. They've got the dark saber now, so we'll <laughs> see what happens next. <clears throat> and now we're going to move on to our final conference. These are the smugglers. Jeff, I, you've really taken to this one. Walk me through this first one because I see where you're going, but I don't understand. Yeah, so it's, I will say it's a little bit superficial here, but uh, Chewbacca was based on George Lucas's pet husky. Um, I did not know that. Yep. 
who I think was named Indiana, which is also is the inspiration for Indiana Jones. Um, and Northern Illinois is a really, really great uh, live husky mascot named Mission. And so I went very superficial. Um, also, NIU is underrated as one of the uh, great historical programs in, in Western football. So I uh, wanted to give they them a little, bit, arms off. a little bit of a shout out. Um, and also Mission, who's just a good boy. Correct. Yeah, yeah, yeah. NIU has put some real banger teams out, including recently winning the MAC with a losing point differential. So <laughs> I I don't know what's more Wookie than that. <laughs> uh, Jeff, you have another one here. Uh, uh, what you got? Because I like this one. I did get so. Uh, but but give this one to the people. You might they might not get a ton of attention. You're thinking they might literally just be like a rock. Uh, however, they're great at navigating success, um, we need them to, and they can absolutely get down and party. Uh, that would be Ohio University, the Bobcats and Cats in Athens, and also Geode. For those that have read the High Republic books, you know what I'm talking about when I say Geode can get down. (laughs) Another great comp. I like this one a lot. And then... Your final one of the conference, which is clearly the best one, because they're going to they're going to love this more than they love anything in the world. What have you got? I think this is just a vibe that fits, and it, it probably is related to the history of uh, another sport popular in that region. Um, but uh, Han Solo just feels pretty Tennessee, and I was like, it may just be the moonshining and NASCAR history that. Uh, is really leading me to that, but it just feels right. And I don't really have good words. It just feels, feels right. Hey, I agree. They built on a river for that reason. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, honestly, my pick that comes right after yours, sort of similar vibes to the Han Solo thing. It's West Virginia, baby. And that's, that's right. More of that moonshine, you know, I don't know yep. if they're as Han Solo as Tennessee. I think Tennessee takes the cake there, but I mean, you could, you could, you could, He's he's Hansel. He could be in charge of two different schools. I mean, why not? He could. Yeah, you're gonna tell him he can't. No, Uh, (laughs) he becomes a general after being a smuggler. So yeah, I mean, one is smuggler Hansola, one is general Hansola. They say it was the carbonite that made him go blind, but I think it may have been more what he was having to drink that day. I don't know. Could be. Um, What you you got next? I got Cincinnati, and and this one I didn't have a good comp for, partly because I don't kind. They had such a strong identity on their past coach. They've been. But they're sort of, at this point, they've got a new coach, they're in a new conference, they are coming off a dip after, you know, playing in the playoff. They're sort of that smuggler from out of sector, they're under new management, nobody really knows what they're going to do. They could come in and set up a syndicate, they could come in and just run some stuff, they could come in and, and completely flop, I have no idea, I don't think they'll flop, but I mean... It's just so hard to tell, especially after their current coach was had a real rough ride at, at Louisville. And then he goes over to Cincinnati, and it's like, okay, I'm not sure what this is going to be, but I guess, I guess we'll find out. They're the exchange syndicate, which yeah. is always in constant war with the Huts, yep, which, that, I mean, which we do have a comp for, and you will hear that in the future. <laughs> and then, you know, last, to finish out this conference, going to go with Oklahoma State. Now, I, I, I think Smugglers makes... 
makes you know makes a bit more sense than bounty hunters just because we've had to, we've flown under the radar a lot despite having some good times doing some big things still pretty much pretty under the radar relative to the things that are around us um and and probably falling short in some of those biggest moments helps with uh staying under the radar you know get pulled over by imperial ships you have to drop your cargo it's just you know I don't. I don't like getting boarded either, but you know it happens sometimes. Um, it does indeed. Ah, I like these a lot. I I know you guys kind of took the smugglers and ran with it, but I I these are three really good ones. Um, they are within the context of either the sport or their conference, kind of running, flying under the radar. NIU won a conference championship, and we're still just kind of like, ah, eh, it's just Northern not, uh, Illinois. Same they won with Tennessee conference for Tennessee. championships. Like they, they had, they, they, they went to they, a major a, New Year's Six Bowl. Yeah, they were. At the they Earth did. Um, I'll say they, yeah. they had a really good <laughs> run of success. Um, they did, but they're under the radar for the right. majority yeah. of the sport. Like again, they're smuggling their way into the consciousness of the sport. It's great. And then Han Solo was Tennessee. It's like yeah, you know, Tennessee mm. is right underneath the 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 surface of the SEC, but had a breakout season this year, and hopefully they can continue that. So I'm I'm excited. This was a really good list. Cincy is in there and. Oh, the fact that one of their rivals is in our future, I just really love it so much. It's so mm. good. So good. Uh, so <laughs> now that we've finished that up, this is the first part in our trilogy. We're going to have a second episode of this sometime at the end of the season when we're searching for more hashtag content. I'll say, I feel like one of the things is this is a good light holiday type thing versus dumb too deep. So probably some other uh, around some holidays, we might do some some more of these comps. I love it. I think it's really good. If your team wasn't mentioned, they will be in the future. We're going to try to get to everybody. Uh, I want to move on to our semi-dessert, kind of our, our nightcap. Uh, we are replacing one position, non-QB, with a Star Wars character. And Jeff got us started. What are you replacing and why? So, I am a big proponent of giving some shout-outs to, to the defense and just about every sport and in particular, some of the defensive positions that don't get a ton of credit um, in general, but are really important to making this whole thing function. Um, and I would love a Wookiee on a defensive line. I think they would just utterly tear through um, any offensive line. And it is hard to do anything on offense without your offensive line, uh, giving you protection or doing some, uh, run blocking. Uh, so I set up my team for success. I'm putting a weak Wookiee on my defensive one, and I'm choosing Black Chrysanthemum um, as a defensive tackle for this. Um, he is very aggressive, quite a beast. Um, I think he'd do pretty well at defensive tackle, uh, both holding up uh, in run blocking and making sure there aren't too many gaps there, as well as, I think, in... A pass rush, unbeatable, and it's really hard to do anything when you've got a giant mass of fur coming at you from uh, center of the defensive line if you're a quarterback. so. And if they manage to stop him, he's got good reach. You try to throw oh, yeah. over him, you talk about DT interceptions, man. Like that, yeah, he would be... And if you move him out wide as a as an edge rusher, he's just he's that's a, even yeah, harder to stop. He's so ver- yeah, that'd be so versatile. That, that that would be awful to play against. God, ain't no double team in that guy. No, man, what a great that's a good one. I like that one a lot. 
Josiah, who do you have as your as your replacing out there on the uh, on the on the wing there? I, I'm gonna. I, I know that there's probably more important positions to deal with, but if I, I'm gonna lock down two at once because he's a droid, so he doesn't need to rest between snaps. Fair. So he's an Iron Man. He's gonna. He's but he's gonna stay out in the same zone. He's gonna be a corner wide receiver, and that's IG88 because he's got a good reach. He's tall. He's long. He's got actually pretty decent speed despite being a robot and, you know, having that kind of clunkiness to him. Um, but, I mean, he's known for being a killer. And uh, he's got 360-degree vision. So he's never going to lose the ball in the lights. He's never going to lose his receiver when he's on defense. And he's never going to, you know, he's going to be able to just uh, just do whatever he wants out wide. And even if you can lock him down, they're going to have to overcover him, which is going to open up run lanes. It's going to open up other 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 receivers. And, you know, he's going to be a menace. You can put him on an island as a corner, and you cannot leave him single coverage as a wide receiver. So I'm going to let him be out there. And, and of course, he's also made out of metal, so calling him an Iron Man athlete is just, it's just right there. I have a rules question, because... Yes. Hmm. It's got... I guess, okay, it's 360 because the head rotates. Yes. But... Yes. That seems like a good way to avoid pretty much ever getting defensive pass interference called on you because you can always look at the ball so that you're playing the ball mm-hmm. and not the player. Yes, that's right. Yeah. I think that's he's a looking good back. shot at corner. If yeah. he's looking back, yeah, you're right. There you go. Yeah. Huh. So, I, like I mean, I don't know if we'd win a championship with him out there, but it would be fun. It would be a lot of fun. <laughs> Capital D, dude. All right. Um, Serious statement, HK47 as a linebacker. Mm. I adore Knights of the Old Republic. I think (laughs) HK47 is one of the best characters. Uh, I love that he consistently calls the humans meatbags, Mm -hmm. which always made me laugh. And so for me personally, having HK47 sitting there at linebacker, protecting the second level, I don't think there's a running back that's going to try to challenge him. And I think that's perfect for what we're doing here. And so yeah. that that is episode one, or in this case, episode four, the Phantom Realignment. We're going to try to do this more around holidays because we, we like it. We think it's funny. We hope you do, too. We will post a link to Wikipedia on the website. Jeff, what is the URL for that website? It is feedyourmascot.squarespace.com. It will be in the show notes as usual. Find all our uh, episodes there and, in our case, the show notes. Uh, and so we're going to gotta get wrapped up here. Josiah, anything you want to leave people with before we go? I got two things. One, we talked about Navy football and their high points. And I got to always shout out the best, one of the best quarterbacks of all time, Keenan Reynolds. Absolutely. Monster yeah. on the field. like Just not, so good. Didn't throw the ball as much as some QBs, but you didn't you, have to. You tell me how many quarterbacks could go out and score 88 touchdowns. On with their legs in that system where you're supposed to distribute the ball evenly. Like it's I, I still in awe and irritated that he didn't get more Heisman buzz than he than he got. And, you know, and of course, Hale State and go folks. They should name the stadium after him in Annapolis. I mean, that man, Je- it was yeah. incredible. Jeff, what you got? What do you want to leave the people with? Uh, hope everybody enjoys their uh, 4th of July weekend. Yeah, make make some uh, good food out there to enjoy and say not a big football weekend, but uh, maybe it's just about time people are starting thinking about and talking about it. So 
it's time for that. But uh, baseball and soccer going on, so enjoy some of that and enjoy some uh, great food that you're cooking. Yeah, St. Kitts got absolutely run off the field by the United States <laughs> men's team, <laughs> which didn't f- seem fair. That was a fun game to watch. Uh, so I'll say it for him, Boiler Up and IU something. I'm not sure. He'll tell me what it is later. Um, I just want everyone, you know, enjoy the holiday. Uh, stay safe out there. Drink water. Stay out of the smoke if you can. Uh, we're recording this July 1, 2023. So uh, smoke is making its way to a significant portion of the country. So please stay safe. Um, the thing I want everyone to leave us with is what is your favorite Star Wars character and why? Why do you identify with this character? Uh, So hopefully we'll be able to get this up quickly so everyone can enjoy it on their holiday. And as always, remember to feed your mascot.